Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I want to welcome each and every one of you back to week four of a series we've entitled Unshakable the unshakable kingdom of God that we can trust and count on. I wanna look in the camera there. Welcome our McKinney campus joining us as well as our Hazlitt campus, all of you watching online, maybe someone in a video venue here at the Keller campus. Let's put our hands together and welcome everybody that's joining us. If you have your Bibles this weekend, we are continuing to talk about the unshakable kingdom of God, which is the theme of the Bible, the theme of the New Testament. It is the focal point in which Jesus came when he steps out into ministry and says that he is here to proclaim, to institute, to say that it's here now, the kingdom of God. And we're talking about how do we engage with this kingdom? How do we participate in this available realm of God's authority that is there for us? And so we've been looking at that for the last few weeks, but I, I want you, if you have your Bibles, look at Colossians 1.13, those of you that are finding it, Colossians 1.13, but I do want to take a moment and just pause for a second and celebrate something that we're very passionate about here at Milestone Church. We started Milestone Church with a vision to hand off our values to the generation coming behind us. We have a core value called spiritual family, which means that we're not just one generation gathering to celebrate. One generation declares the works of God to the generation coming behind them. And so we are celebrating. Last weekend, we had about 400 high school students. We've got about three or 400 middle school students this weekend at every campus. Every single campus, we're celebrating with all of our students and we believe in them. We believe they can walk in God's purpose and God's plan. And I know we may have some of you that are new and you're like, what is this? We call it Battle of the Sexes Weekend. What is it? What's it about? What are we celebrating? And so I thought I might take a moment because I'm so thankful to be a part of a church because you guys get it. You, you, you invest. I, I want to say thank you to our team, our, our youth team. Thank, thank you to all the volunteers that are pouring into the next generation. A lot of people have a lot of comments about the next generation. But we, we want to we wanna show you, not just tell you, what we see God doing among this generation. Watch this with me. About 15 years ago, when our student ministry was just getting started, we felt the need to create space and moments for students to get away from the distractions of everyday life and set up time for them to hear God's voice clearly in the areas of love, sex, and dating. So that's what we did, and we made it fun. We've got epic competitions, they're in small groups with their friends, we make it a blast, but at the end of the day, we know that our mission with these weekends is to let the next generation of our church encounter the real Jesus, have marked moments in his presence, and let him shape their identity and find freedom in him. Year after year, God shows up and transforms hearts doing what only he can do. And quite honestly, so much of the ministry doesn't happen from the platform or intercession, but it happens in small groups. 
Our small group leaders are the heroes of the weekend. They take time off of work, set up and coordinate people to watch their kids and come and lose sleep for a couple days, all for the purpose of investing in the next generation. I think of heroes of these weekends, people like Brian and Amy Colbert. Yeah, so I started probably 15 years ago serving in Elevate and it stemmed out of a passion of that was kind of the, the time in my life when I was kind of going the wrong way in life and I just really had a passion to reach that high school, middle school age kid. Coming here and being intentional about investing in some of these leaders and some of these students, it's just like a reminder that that God uses us. Like we get to be a part of what he's doing and what an honor it is to get to speak into other people's lives and to be able to speak his truths to other people. Just to see the first night, hundreds of kids on their face before the Lord saying, God, I wanna be obedient to what you've identified me as and what you've called me to. Uh, I, the guys session today, just seeing so many young men cry and break down because other men looked them in their eye and said, I'm proud of you, you know, uh, to guard your heart and just instilling in them things, a father's heart. Uh, I had one kid that I looked him in his eye and he, he couldn't make eye contact with me and I just hugged him and he just broke down in my arms and was crying. And he probably sat there for a good three or four minutes just crying. Uh, and I finally was able to say, hey, look me in the eye. And, and he told me he didn't have a dad and no one has ever told him he was proud of him. And just to be able to be that, just to be able to fill that void, um, it, it, I don't know that you could put into words the impact that not only it had on him, but on me. Over these last two weekends, we have had some of the most impactful ministry moments I've ever been able to be a part of. It's amazing to see God move in the hearts of young people. We've seen students receive salvation, be set free from addictions, get vision for their future and their families, choose to walk in purity, choose to lay things down and follow God. What God can do in the life of a young person when they fully surrender their lives to Him is incredible. I wish I had time to tell you every single story of what happened these last two weekends, but here are just a few stories of what God did in students' lives. When I was younger, my parents divorced, uh, very separate household, a lot of arguing. You know, I didn't have really have a relationship with God. My, my friend recommended me bots. The first session, you know, I rose my hand uh, to give my life to God. I believed every word I said, and I felt God's presence. You know, I felt free. Couldn't even possibly fathom how amazing I'm gifted is. I just wanted to pass it on to other people so they can feel the gift I got from God this weekend. My big takeaway for this weekend was knowing that I have a purpose, that I have been freed and I'm not bound by anything anymore, and that I can have a good relationship with my family, and I can grow up and have a good marriage, and like I can be pure for my husband, and just expectations for my future are higher. To the generous people of our church who invest and make these weekends happen, thank you. What God does in moments like these makes an eternal impact in the next generation. We give God a round of applause. I, I, I just wanna join with all of the parents and uh, let you know that, that we're standing with you. And I just wanna say to all the young people, I get emotional about it as I've watched God do this multiple times along the way in the history of Milestone, but there is a fresh hunger and a fresh passion 
that we see among you and a desire. You know, as the world gets darker, the light shines brighter. And I want you to know it's this weekend, purity is, is important and, and God outlines it in scripture, but even this weekend's not just, it's not that we're worshiping purity, it's, it's we're, we're seeing you in the presence of God experience God and it's that love and it's that passion for God that's gonna carry you through. And we just want you to know we're standing with you and we celebrate you and we're excited. Can you guys get them? <laughs> And you guys messed me up, so now I got to preach and my voice is messed up. But uh, um, it's just exciting to see what God's doing um, uh, in our midst. And, and I just thank you to all of you for embracing them. We're talking about the unshakable kingdom of God. And over the last few weeks, we've learned this available realm of authority, not when you set yourself up as king, not when you set yourself in the place of, as we like to find our own tribal identities of what we want to look to as the source, but what we've learned is as we begin to prioritize what Jesus said to prioritize and begin to really look at this available kingdom, then the Bible begins to show us there's some things God brings into our lives. We've learned that Jesus is still on his throne. He's at the highest place. So when I know he's at the highest place, he's still on his throne, he's king of kings and lord of lords, then I don't have to be as anxious. I don't have to live with so much worry and fear that I believe it all is based on me. I can continue to look higher for a higher source in Jesus. And we've learned that his kingdom is advancing. And there's always been people on the earth that focus on the wrong things and look at the miners and get in the ditch and get trapped and get pulled away. But the fact is his kingdom is advancing and, and he's working even when I don't see it. But every time I tie into what he's doing, I begin to see him show up in my life in a powerful way. We've learned that God is in control. And if God is in control and he's ordering our steps and he has a plan, it really doesn't matter what I see around me. I can have a confidence that's beyond my understanding. There's a confidence that comes to me even when my world is shaking I can have confidence in the shaking, knowing that there's an unshakable God, an unshakable Jesus, an unshakable kingdom. We learned last week when we don't get into petty disagreements about minors and we major on the majors, then the Bible says his kingdom produces in us a righteousness, not a righteousness that's of our own rightness, but his righteousness that he offers to us. And we can have a peace that passes understanding. And there's joy in the Holy Spirit. And we can have joy in trials. And we can have this thing that we can't even really comprehend happen in our lives where there's so much challenge around me, but I have joy in the midst of it. And that's found in his kingdom. And this week, I want to talk very practically about when I mention those things, I don't think there's a person at any campus, online, wherever you're at, who wouldn't say, I'll have some more of that. Like, I'll take some more of that, but I wanna to talk to you this week about a very specific block or barrier to the kingdom. I wanna to talk to you about something that comes to all of us 
that, that can be a barrier, can be a stop. And I'm gonna show it to you from scripture, but I wanna explain it to you for a minute, this thing called unforgiveness in our lives. Unforgiveness, and in the contrary, forgiveness opens up the kingdom of God in our life, but unforgiveness hinders the kingdom in our lives. It traps us, it holds us back, it gets us stuck, it gets us in an orbit of our own things, and so unforgiveness is a barrier, but the more we're able to experience God's forgiveness in our lives, the more we're able to offer that forgiveness, then those barriers become more porous, and God's grace and God's kingdom begin to flow into our lives. And so we desire it, but this challenge is unforgiveness. Now, I realize after 30 years of, of doing this and pastoring people and walking with people and whether it's a freedom weekend that we have here where we see people walk in freedom or on Monday nights we have a thing called Restore. If you're here and you're just like, my life is falling apart, then I wanna encourage you. That's an on-ramp this week. You can do that this week. We, we saw, I saw a, a lady told me this weekend, she said, God's presence showed up in our small group and, and, and people were just open and, and they were forgiving one another. They were, they were getting rid of junk and God was just doing stuff. How many of you know there's an event Available opportunity, always. But, but we get trapped in our unforgiveness. And after many years of doing this, I do want to say that I know some of you have great injustices, like, like evil things that have happened. And I, I don't want you to think at the start of this message that I'm just trying to give you some Sunday school answer. I, I've been a pastor. I've walked with people. I've ministered to people. I, I see the prayer request and I realize that hurt people hurt people and, and, and people have, have, maybe you've experienced something really challenging, but I will say this too. It doesn't matter how long you walk with God, how much of the Bible you know, unforgiveness can come your way. And, and a lot of times it doesn't start as even some great thing. It can just start as, as just an offense, you know? Like this week we're talking about the kingdom in your relationships. Now, when you go to any campus, there's prayer requests that we start the year and we start praying over and our team prays over. And sometimes there's an individual thing and sometimes there's a health thing, but a lot of them are relational. And you know, over the last few years, we've just seen the enemy just show up with a spirit of division in homes and families and divide people. And, and we live in a world today where you almost get extra credit for being offended. We, we, we actually see it as some noble thing to be offended. I, I want you to know that's not God's plan for the person who's following Christ. There's an ability to live above it in this kingdom of God. And yet you say, well, offense, you know. Well, in the Bible, there's a, there's a word for offense. Mark four different places. It's, it's called scandalon, and, and, and it, it means a trap, like, like offense and unforgiveness is a trap that traps you. I, I thought about it a few years ago. My wife and I, we, we, we lived in a home that backed up here in Keller to one of the last few pieces of available property. Uh, it actually was undeveloped and there were some horses and our kids would go feed the horses apples. And, and I met the guy that owned the property. He was an American Airlines pilot. He said, we'll never sell it. Well, well, he got the right price, okay? So he, he, he sold it. I looked up one day and there were bulldozers out there. And when the bulldozers came in, then all of the varmints began to run out. 
And, and my wife came to me in a horrific panic and said, I just saw a rat in our garage. Now I'm thinking she saw a mouse. But, but, but I, I, when she said she saw a mouse, I went to the hardware store, I got some mouse traps, put a few out. And, and, and she said, no, Jeff, this is not a mouse. I went out there, they had broken all those little mouse traps up, they built a campfire out of them. <laughs> And they were ready to open our fridge and just were roasting weenies out there on it. Just, these, were, these were like Princess Bride. I'm going to date some people. Rodents of unusual size. Be honest, you got scared to death when that rodent was eating on that guy's body. I was just like, yeah. She said, these are rodents of unusual size. I said, well, I'm not qualified for that. Call your dad. My father-in-law, he knows how to do these things, you know. He's got tools. He knows how to exterminate stuff, you know. And, and so he went and got a, a trap, like a rat trap that you needed to come along to set it, you know, just set that thing out there. I was like, what are you going to use for bait, cheese? He said, no, rookies use cheese. If you want to catch a rodent of unusual size, you need peanut butter. Hmm, peanut butter. He swathed up there some good peanut butter on that thing. I was out of town. My wife called me. She said, we caught the rat. Pow, I heard a gunshot go off. I went out there and there it was in the trap. She's like, Jeff, this thing is huge. This thing is caught. We got this rat. I said, call your dad. And tell him to deal with that thing. I don't know. I mean, I'm not qualified for that. Like, is there like a killer disposal area for big rats or whatever? And, and so I'm giving you an image, okay? You're the rat in the trap. When you let offense, when you let bitterness, when you let unforgiveness get lodged in your soul, you're the one who's trapped in that situation. The Apostle Paul, you're like, what does this have to do with the kingdom? Well, the Apostle Paul connects forgiveness to the kingdom. He says this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Let me say, there's a lot of people I meet today because it's kind of like everything's like a gumbo. It's kind of it's just all mixed up in there today with faith and spirituality. So you have people that are like, I'll take Jesus and I'll take this and I'll take that and I'll just kind of sprinkle some Jesus on my philosophical new age ideology. Jesus doesn't join that. When you have an encounter with Jesus, there's transformation. There's tra you are translated from the dominion. Did you notice? It doesn't say, oh, you just mentally ascended to a greater awareness of how Jesus could benefit your life. You signed up for an institution called Christianity. That's not the Bible language. You were rescued from darkness and brought into a new kingdom, the kingdom of his son in whom he loves. That's gonna be really important, by the way, for forgiveness. If you really believe that you were like the best candidate for the kingdom and Jesus finally found you, our world ideology today, I'm a good person, pastor. If you kind of believe you were at the front of the line for available candidates for the kingdom, you'll struggle with forgiveness. But if you know that you know that you know 
that you were outside the kingdom, that on your best day you were hurting people, on your best day you were offensive to God, and he rescued you from that and placed you in his kingdom, you have a different viewpoint about the kingdom. He says this, in him we have redemption. You're like, what does that big religious word mean? It means to buy back. It means that when you see a cross, it's not a religious symbol. It's a place of payment. It's a place where Jesus went and paid a price, a price you could never pay, a debt that you owed that would keep you separated from God, and Jesus went and made the full payment. He paid the price and hung on that cross and said, it is finished payment made, debt canceled. That's what happened on the cross. He bought you back at a high price. Let me tell you, the kingdom of God is a free gift to you, but it wasn't cheap. It wasn't cheap. It was purchased at an expensive price, the very life of Jesus. And it says here, here's the, the open door to the kingdom is the forgiveness of sins is what it says. So you say, what is this saying to us? This kingdom of the son he loves, what do we want? We want the kingdom to come and take that anxiety out of our soul. We want the kingdom of Jesus and the very person of Jesus to take away our anxieties and our fears and our worries and, and make it right in our soul and bring righteousness and right standing with God. We want the kingdom in our homes. You want the kingdom in your kids' hearts. You don't want religion in their hearts. That's why we see these moments. You might think it odd that they're on their knees before God. They're kneeling before him. They're pouring out their hearts. You might think that's emotionalism. I don't think it is because I've been touched in environments like that. I've seen young people touched in those environments. What's happening is he's bringing them out of the dominion of darkness and rescuing them into the kingdom of the son that he loves. And I want to tell you, That'll go with them to college. That'll go with them when they have a professor say, there's no such thing as God. That'll go with them in any rhetoric, in any situation. And when they start their own families, they'll begin to say, we want to set up a house where the kingdom rules and reigns. Dad's not the king of the kingdom. Quite honestly, I never get my way at my house. Are y'all know any other dad out there? The truth is, I don't want to be the king of the domain. I want Jesus to be the king. We want the kingdom in our homes. We want the kingdom in our friends' and family's lives. We want him to show up in those people that we love's life and do what it is that only he can do. We want the kingdom, what I'm going to talk about next week. We want the kingdom to show up in our work life. Statistics say, like never before, so many people frustrated with what they do every single day. I want to show you next week that the kingdom doesn't allow for segmented lives. It's not, oh, kingdom is when we're singing worship and Betsy's bringing the glory. Kingdom goes with you on Monday, goes with you on hump day on Wednesday, goes with you to your work life and goes into every area of your life. I'm bringing your kingdom wherever I go. We want all of that, but unforgiveness is a barrier. Forgiveness 
opens the door to that in our lives. Now, it's, it's amazing to see that he brings his forgiveness to us, but Colossians 3 also says, bear with each other. He now takes it to the real everyday life, the real world. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, here, here's the key phrase, forgive. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Your revelation of how much you've been forgiven impacts your ability to forgive. Now let's get real honest though for a minute. Forgiveness is counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive. And, and you got so many voices to agree with you in your bitterness and your anger and your offense today. Like so many people, yeah, you're justified in that. Forgiveness though is counterintuitive. Man, when somebody does something, and especially if they're unaware, you know, like real bad lack of self-awareness, and you're just like, dude, that's, a, that's offensive. What do you want to do? You're not thinking Sunday school answers at that point, right? You're not thinking, oh, dear Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I want to forget. You're like, I want to choke you. <laughs> Don't be religious in church. I mean, there's something that's in our flesh nature that rises up to say, I want to give them a little dose of what they deserve. Now, some of you may not be a fighter, so you don't think that way, but what you do is you withdraw and you bury those feelings and harbor on the inside and you don't say you want to choke them, you're just praying they get choked. I hope a chicken bone lodges in their throat today. Hi, how are you? God bless you. I hope they choke on their food right now. Either way, our natural response is not, I want to offer forgiveness to you. It's counterintuitive. By the way, everything in the kingdom is. If you want to live the kingdom, you're going to have to go the opposite way of where your flesh wants to lead you. So I wanna give you a couple of, of Christian memes, if you will. I've seen these over the years in, in books and stuff. I don't really know who originated the phrase. Uh, you know, Max Lucado, I think, used one of them and whoever, but at this point, you know, pastors, we're just sharing stuff. So, so these are a couple that I came up with, okay? Anyway, they're, they're just good, okay? They're just good. Here, here's one that I love. Choosing not to forgive is drinking poison yourself and expecting the other person to get sick. What a great image. Now, we're probably not gonna drink poison, but, but here would be one of our deathly fears. You, you're, you're shaking hands with, you're drinking from a contaminated cup with the stomach virus. Anybody hate the stomach virus more than me? I, Brandy and I got it a few months ago it was so bad. I mean, 24 hours. I mean, I began to make deals with God. God, I, I, will, I will go to Africa. I will do whatever you, I will, I will sell my possessions. I will, I will whatever, Lord, I, you know, and finally you realize this thing's on me. I've resisted it as long as I can. It has overtaken my life. Brandy had it. We had it together. We're just a mess, man. And you're just like in the middle of it thinking, 
just take me home to glory, Lord. I mean, just, I just, I've lived a good life. Just take me home, you know? And, and, and I did have a real philosophical moment in the middle of the heat of the battle. This is gross in church, but you know, I'm in the heat of it, right? Both ends, a whole bit. It's just, it's, it's going on. And I had a thought in the middle of it. I should chew my food better. That, that I want to just offer that to you. Chew your lunch better for the stomach virus may come tomorrow and we had eaten like steak medallions. I think I, I don't think I, they had no teeth marks. I mean, it was like pieces of steak just. I'm like, I don't even chew my food. You would think I'm starving or something. It was so bad. Just, oh man, the botch of Egypt. Just, ooh. When you have unforgiveness, you're giving yourself the stomach virus. It's not the other person that's going to get sick. You're giving it to yourself. Forgiveness, here's another great image and metaphor. Forgiveness is releasing the other person only to discover you're the one who was actually the captive. You were the one that was being held in bondage and being stuck. Jesus gives a story. I wanted to give it to you because this is so fundamental to understanding the biblical view of forgiveness. Jesus tells the story of a king that was settling debts. And the king went to a guy who owed him like 10,000 talents. Let's just say it's like a couple billion dollars. Jesus is using exaggerated terms. And he owed a couple billion dollars and he goes to settle the debt and the guy pours out himself. He begs, please, please, please. And the, and the king says, okay, I'll release you from the debt. The same guy, the same guy goes to somebody who owes him a hundred denarii, which is like a few hundred dollars. Now remember, he, he got freed and let go of two billion. And he goes to this same guy and he throws him in jail and he torments and he tortures. And he goes and Jesus makes a statement about this. He says this, that you'll be the one tormented. You have to say this. You have to say, your father in heaven has forgiven you. I love that the phrase talks about, you need to do this. You need to forgive from your heart. You're like, why are you telling me this? Because your understanding and awareness of how much you've been forgiven directly correlates to your ability to be a person who knows how to forgive. That's why Jesus was telling us this. And, and, and by the way, you might think, well, pastor, you don't have to. I always try to be as appropriately transparent with you as I can so you don't think I'm just up here talking about this. Uh, one of the stories I tell in, in, in our, our book where we talk about our values was my first church experience. And some of you are like, well, I don't really relate to that, but it's still just the same principle. You may have had a business partner or you may have had some people or a situation for me, Brandy and I were young in ministry, and man, there was some really, really like mean people that we were trying to pastor. One lady, Brandy went to her to say at the greeting time, you know, hey, I love you. The lady shook her, and you don't love me. And I'm like, don't shake my wife. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm a new pastor, but I'm about to lay hands on you suddenly. You know what I'm saying? 
you know, I, I, you, you ha- we had to work through that, right? Like I, I've, I've had, I've had situations, circumstances. I, I had a, I had a guy who I talked to on the phone a few years ago, and I called him because he had left the church. It wasn't even about me; it was some other stuff, and, and and he just, I don't know, man. It had really gotten on him. I remember where I was standing during the week in the church sanctuary, talking on the phone. You're like, why are you telling us this? I'm no different than you. Like I look back on a few of these moments. And, 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 I, and I could see where my love for people, my heart could have been. The enemy had a strategy to trap me. And it was how I responded in that moment. This guy, he began to curse me, curse my family, curse my kids. Don't curse my kids, man. Come on. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, this is not about him. This is all about you. And I, I'm not telling you this is what I wanted or even knew it's, it's back to why you want to put the word of God in your kids, why you want them to have a real relationship. Because in that moment, it doesn't matter if I'm a professional Christian pastor. It has everything to do with how real is the Jesus in me that I preach about. And in me, that real Jesus just welled up and supernaturally overtook. And I said, well, I, I just want you to know I love you and I forgive you. And the door's always open if you want to come back. And I responded differently out of a supernatural grace. It's supernatural to forgive. Uh, We planted Milestone Church here. 32 people moved from Abilene. And I heard a story, which I think about when we let unforgiveness in our our world and in our house. It it gives me a metaphor. This, This guy, he saw a snake at his house. Just a regular house, you know, and pier and beam. And he saw a snake at his house. And he called a snake expert. And when he called the snake expert, he didn't have one offensive snake at his house. They got under his house and found 45 rattlesnakes. If you're watching online, the whole room just went, I heard about a couple in our church that remodeled their house and found a whole group of snakes in their attic. Just think about when you go to bed tonight, just you're laying there and right above that vent, is 45 snakes just peering through the vent waiting for the opportunity to, ah! None of us would stay in a house filled with 45 snakes. But there are people that live in their house filled with offense, filled with unforgiveness, filled with bitterness. It's more dangerous than snakes. It's more dangerous. I've had family things. I have a family too. I had a family situation. I can't share all the details. They probably watch online. But I had a situation, went through, and I just remember when that family situation, there there was an offering of forgiveness and back to the same old thing. Like there may have been confusion and mistreatment and whatever. I just, what welled up inside of me, I have no other option but to forgive. For the believer, there's no other option than to forgive. You're like, well, how does this really work? Well, number one, God's forgiveness for you is where the kingdom is really unlocked. It's unlocked through forgiveness. And so as we come into the kingdom of God, it's it's Jesus' price that he pays. We're translated in. We're forgiven I want to say to somebody maybe watching online or at a campus or or wherever you're at, I want you to know you don't have to live with guilt and shame. You don't have to carry the weight and the baggage of guilt. And, And the world today gives us an adage. 
forgive yourself. Don't tell people that. They can't forgive themselves. If we could forgive ourselves, we wouldn't be a mess. We can't get rid of the toxicity in our soul by ourselves. That's why Jesus went and made the payment. That's why Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live. That's why he offers us the gift of forgiveness. And I, and I thought about this this week, a story in the Bible, because religious people, you know, they, 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 they get a little bit, you know, pulled back from people that make an extravagant thing about Jesus. There was a woman, she made an extravagant worship, extravagant offering, and the religious people were like, hey, calm down. Calm down. Why are those kids at the altar? Why are they kneeling? Why are they, they need to probably calm down. Why are they so after? Well, Jesus makes the statement you don't know her story. And he tells those religious leaders that when you've been forgiven of much, you love much. If you believe you've been forgiven of little, you might forgive little. But when you're aware of how much you've been forgiven, then you love much, you forgive much based on that proportion. Second of all though, and I wanna get real practical here in our final few moments because I believe that if you're listening to me and the words penetrating your heart and somebody listening to me, I've met people all weekend coming up with tears in their eyes, pastor, I needed that. Pastor, that's where I'm at. Pastor, I, gotta, I, I know I hear the word. So when the word starts penetrating your heart, now you're like, how do I do it? Because I think there's some barriers there to just practically, you know, we, we all need, we really need help to genuinely forgive others. So what is forgiveness? What is it not? So when we talk about forgiveness, here's what we're not talking about. It's not approval of wrongdoing. It's not approval of wrongdoing. We, we struggle with that in our world today. You know, we think that when you say don't judge, that means that we as Christians lose the ability to discern right from wrong. Did you know there are things that God says he hates? There are things that are offensive to God. Evil, darkness, what sin is sin and always will be sin and God's not changing his mind. So we're not talking about approving of wrongdoing. We're not talking about an invitation to abuse. So sometimes the person you're working to forgive is still involved in your life. And it's not to say that you don't have to have appropriate boundaries or other situations. Where I think a lot of people live though is something that the other person earned or deserves. Well, that we, we're big on, let's make sure everything's fair, right? Like everyone needs to get what they deserve. Let's always remember this. Jesus didn't give you what you deserve. What we deserve is hell. What we deserve is to be separated from God for eternity, but he gave us something that was so gracious to us, so loving to forgive us when we were in an undeserving posture. It's not about what somebody has earned. It's not about what somebody has deserved. And it's also not dependent on reconciliation. This doesn't mean that you necessarily are going to have the same relationship. Remember, forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Forgiveness and restoration of the relationship are two different things. I, I wanna make sure I'm being very clear. I, I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about your place of being poisoned and sick. I'm talking about your jail cell. I'm talking about where God wants to free you. What is forgiveness? 
We change this, I change this about five times this week, okay? Like working through this, okay? So, 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 so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give it to you. This is my shot, like it kind of, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is the conscious choice. It's a choice. It's a choice I make that's not based on the other person to give up your right or to make the other person pay because you trust God to make things right. You trust God. And you know where he starts making things right? Is in our own souls and in our own hearts and our own lives. A few years ago, you saw that on there where we started bringing kids through these affirmation lines and just speaking to them identity. The battle the enemy has for the next generation is to get them to identify with something other than him rescuing them from darkness and being transferred into the kingdom of the son that he loves. And we started speaking that, and what we see routinely is just the, the hurts and the pains and the challenges and the things that, that, that as you begin to speak that over them, God just begins to unlock something and, and them letting go of all of this junk and things that the enemy wants to get trapped in their souls. I want you to know it's not just the next generation that needs to unload some unforgiveness. It's all of us. It's all of us. So I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet wherever you're at, any campus, and I wanna give you the opportunity to do a couple of things here. First of all, I believe there's some of you that I'm talking to, you've never experienced forgiveness. You think you have to be a good person, that you have to work your way into right standing with God, or you're carrying guilt and shame, or maybe you've come to God and you slipped away and you just, you just like, will he take me back? Can I even get back to a place where I can, I can be right with him? I want you to look on the screen for a minute at this prayer. I want you to, everyone to look at it. We're not gonna read it out loud, you. I'm gonna read it to you. Because I don't want us just to go through a rote prayer. I want, you to, I want you to read this and I want you to make it your prayer if you need to receive the forgiveness of Jesus right now. Jesus, I receive, wherever you're at, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I repent of my sins and I receive your kingdom. Thank you for loving me and setting me free. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, Jesus now comes to unlock his kingdom in your life. We want you to let us know so we can help you start. Maybe come at the end of the service. We're having baptisms next weekend. We wanna to talk to you about how to live that life with Jesus. But I wanna pray for a second group. I believe there's some of you, you need to pray this prayer because you're listening to me going, that's me. I've got unforgiveness. Jesus, because I love and trust you, I choose to forgive. And just put in the blank right there. I choose to forgive. I release the pain, the offense, and the hurt. I give it to you. I will not carry it anymore. Thank you for your freedom. What happened to me doesn't define me, and it will not determine my future. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for releasing your kingdom, your forgiveness in the lives of us. Lord, in each and every heart, Lord, I pray that, Lord, your kingdom would come in a new dimension, Lord. We thank you for forgiveness we receive and forgiveness we have grace to offer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.